The following podcast has coarse language and subject matter that people might find scary. Listener discretion is advised. How do we know that death is the end? Throughout millions of years, we've participated in the circle of life and death, contributing to a cyclone of energy. So in theory, our connection to the afterlife can become stronger as we continue to contribute. We can tap in. More and more people have started to recognize that they are empaths, clairvoyant, or just sensitive. In the past, making these claims would have had you burned as a witch, but nowadays you can attend seminars on the matter. It all depends on what you decide is real. And I guess anything can become real if you decide that it is. Welcome to the world beyond the veil. This is Geist. In 1974, Sue and her husband Bob moved into a home, an old doctor's house. It seemed ideal as Bob could practice there and see his patients, and Sue was trained as a nurse. But then Sue started to notice that the house may not have been empty when they moved in. I, um, I don't really know too much about the history of my grandfather, great-grandfather's family coming out from Ireland, but there was a large family. He had eight children and um, my grandmother is psychic as well and she used to tell uh, read tea leaves. My mother also was very sensitive to the other side and my cousin, her, her sister's daughter, uh, is also very psychic. And I also could do that. I remember uh, knowing things as a, well, probably a teenager, I remember. Um, knowing something was going to happen. Um, and then it, you know, it would, and I thought, well, yeah, that's, I expected that. The house was uh, the end two units of a row house. It had always been a doctor's home. The office was attached to the main body of the house. It kind of rambled because of the, the size of it. The old doctor, I guess the last one that lived in the house, some of his old furniture was still in the house, wicker chairs and such. The stairs creaked and, you know, it was just an old house, really. Um, but it was fun. It, it had some character and we liked it. So we um, moved in and everything was fine, except then things started happening. The first night they stayed in their new home is when everything began. So we, we moved ourselves um, and with the help of some friends and we finally got everything all put around and the bed set up and uh, it was a long day packing up and moving it. 
we finally uh, went to bed, um, but I couldn't settle. And so I was lying in bed and then I started to hear someone coming up the stairs. The neighborhood wasn't impressive that we moved into, so I thought, oh my, we've been, somebody's broken into the house. I didn't hear anything like that. Someone definitely was on the stairs. Climbed one step, two step, as you do, and each step creaked, and it creaked, and it creaked. My heart was just in my mouth, pounding. I was terrified that we were going to be killed. And I wanted to wake up Bob, but I, I just couldn't because I didn't want them to know that I was awake. Just lay there and listen to the creaking on the stairs and then the, the landing creak, creak, creak up the last four steps. And then it stopped outside our bedroom door. And I thought, okay, that's it, we're done. And I, I was just dying. I, could, I didn't want to breathe because I thought it was going to be too loud, and, but I couldn't not breathe because I was... Like I was just exploding from holding my breath. Anyway, I lay there and lay there and then finally, okay, nothing's happening. You can just exhale, just relax because nothing's happening here. But it, it was terrifying at the time. Uh, eventually I fell asleep. Uh, but it was the start of uh, a few incidences that were sometimes dramatic. Sue told her husband Bob in the morning about the footsteps that stopped at their bedroom door. He isn't sensitive to that kind of thing, so it was like, oh, I, I, I think it was kind of a shrug off kind of thing. Some events were too weird to shrug off. We, we got a pup about a year into being there. Um, you know, dogs are supposed to be sensitive to that type of thing when you, and the dog did act strangely now and then. And, and at the time that the dog was doing that, I wasn't picking anything up, but I don't know, maybe the dog was picking something up. It, it, he seemed to be looking at something and, uh, and, and freaking out a little bit. Yeah. The, the big thing, I think, was, well, one of the big things, was the, the dog being let out. Well, we didn't realize the dog had been let out at all. Uh, and, um, and we didn't realize he was gone until uh, we looked outside and he was out at the front. But like we had an enclosure, so there's no way he could have gotten loose without being the front door being opened and out he went. But how'd he get out there? That's, I didn't let him out. Well, I, I didn't let him out either, that kind of conversation. But he was out. Oh, he just came trotting back like nothing was wrong. He, um, um, but we were kind of scratching our head because couldn't figure out how he got out on the street because neither one of us had let him out. But then they had their first overnight guest. My old roommate came up to see our new uh, house and um, the, the area that we were living in. in the, the night, somebody visited her. And in the morning, she said to Bob, why were you in my room last night? And he said, I wasn't in your room last night. Well, she sort of paused, and then she, like she was thinking, and then she said, that's right, it wasn't you. He had on a three-piece suit, uh, a watch with a chain across the vest and 
he had kind of dirty blonde hair. So uh, my husband um, asked a patient the next day if she recalled what the doc looked like. She described the exact same man that Sandy had seen at the foot of her bed. So, so that's how we knew who it was then who was in the house with us. Kind of interesting having a, a name on it. Uh, and it also then we were looking more closely. We inherited all the books in the library that he had had. And there were med- a lot of medical books, but one in particular had uh, a study of some sort that he had done uh, on obstetrics. So um, we knew that he, he was also an obstetrician in his training. As time went on, this was the house as normal. Sue felt the spirit of the doctor was used to her and Bob, and it caused the activity to settle down a little. Until they were called out of town to a conference and had house sitters come to stay. Then... It unsettled. We we uh, booked into a conference about maybe two years after we had bought the house, and um, so Bob hired a locum to come in to work his office. So we um, went away and thought everything was fine, and then when we came back, um, they were just totally freaked. They were so glad to see us because they just could hardly wait to get away from the place. I don't know for what happened to them. I know the dog had a few issues uh, a- again and um, and they personally I must have seen him. It was like uh, House of Horrors, I think. they, they re- He must have kept them very busy because they just... I don't remember them saying anything except that they were, they just, they were packed. They were ready to go. They just wanted out. Sue and Bob's life continued in the house, and they were preparing for a new baby, with the old doctor watching. When I became pregnant with my first child, the energy in the house shifted again. Um, He became much more active. You often have to go to the washroom when you're pregnant because of the pressure on your bladder. So I would make my night visits to the washroom and... Um, I always felt like I was being watched. It was kind of uh, disconcerting, really. It was it, like it was an invasion of your privacy, really. It bothered me. With that pregnancy and with the subsequent others, um, I always felt that when I was up at the bathroom, and I could see him kind of out of the corner of my eye. I, I, when you look directly, I never saw anything, but like the far corners of my eye, I could pick up movement. Sue would voice her frustration. Just go back to bed, go to sleep. I'm fine. Just leave me alone. I'm fine. And I could feel that he had left when I said that, which was good, but he was just he was just around, but he but it always felt like somebody was watching you. I, I and it really did start to get a bit irritating. After years of the old doctor watching from the shadows, Sue had had enough. Well, like I said, I, I was uh, irritated with always feeling like someone was there. And Bob, of course, was never bothered with it because he wasn't sensitive to that. And it was just on and on and on. And, uh, I just I just got totally frustrated. I think actually I heard from somebody, well, just tell him to go or whatever. I thought, well, okay. 
So I did try that to see what would happen. I said, I said, I've had enough. Just leave. I've had enough. Get out of here. And um, and I, I did feel like he was gone. By that time, it was getting up to close to the time that we sold. Um, I just wanted out of there. So after years at the house, Sue, Bob, their now three kids, and their dog moved out, leaving the old doctor behind. Even though she was no longer at the home, Sue's sensitivity was still strong. When I, I get a premonition, I really don't. I'm not doing anything. It's, it's like... A, um, it's like turning on the radio. You just you hear a sound, you or you or you just get a feeling. I was just folding laundry, and I I don't know why I thought of her, but I thought, oh, Aunt Joan. I wonder how if Aunt Joan is still alive. She's pretty old now. And then I thought, no, she's she died. She's dead. And uh, I got a call the next day, and my cousin said that she had passed away, and that they were going to have a memorial for her, and would I like to come? Her sensitivity became a support and helped her through one of the hardest things any mother would have to go through, the loss of her son, Cam. Prior to Cam's passing, the energy in the house became electric. I was so wired, so nervous, I just felt so strongly that something bad was going to happen. And I didn't really know what, but I knew it was big. had a, a mother who was very, um, well, she wasn't ill, but she was old and she was on the frail side. And um, she had Alzheimer's pretty advanced. And um, I've, I've thought that maybe she was going to die. And she actually was what I thought was going to happen. I was talking to somebody after Cameron had passed who also had lost her son. And she said, she asked me if the energy in the house had changed prior to Cameron's death. And I said, well, that's so strange that you asked that. I said, it was unbelievable what was going on in the house. It was just horrible, really. And she said the same thing had happened to her before her son had passed as well. When we lost Cam, I wanted to talk to him so badly. So I tried to channel gathered you had to just sort of sit and uh, just empty your brain just totally zone out and I don't know find find space find something but you had to you had to not let any external thing bother you while you were trying to do it while trying to contact her son Sue had an unexpected visitor finally got quite relaxed, I guess. And um, when I was in this very relaxed state, uh, a man came through. It wasn't Cam, but I, I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll just um, talk to him. He, he was a little wee man and he had a kind of a Roman nose. He had on a white shirt and brown pants. And, the, and he was talking to me, but the thing that struck me so strongly with, with looking at him was that his legs were strange. They were very 
short. He was he was short, but his legs were there was something really wrong with him. His legs. And I, I knew who he was. I guess he told me who he was. Like, uh, and he, of course he was Scottish, so it was in this brogue. Um, oh, Jane's a, a good lass. She she means well, you know. He stayed a while, and I I kept looking at his strange little body. I did tell Jane when I saw her at work uh, the, the next time I saw her that I had been trying to channel Cam and her dad came through and he passed a message to her saying she's a good lass and she means well. So I, I, it was a significant thing for him to say because she needed to hear that. When Sue described Jane's dad, Jane confirmed that a white t-shirt and brown pants was what he often wore. The focus on his legs was because he had rickets, which is a condition of the bones that can cause deformities like bowed legs. And his message, Jane is a good lass, she means well, pertained to the day that he died, a message that only Jane and her father would have understood. Sue then had a visitation from someone special when she needed them the most. When we lost Cam, I I just withdrew. I, I wasn't eating and I just withdrew into his room. There was a Chesterfield in there and I was lying down. While I was lying on the Chesterfield in my son's bedroom, and I felt the warmth of a presence on top of me from head to toe, and also like a hand on my cheek. And when they uh, started to go, and I felt the warmth left, and I, I said, no, no, come back, come back, I'm cold. And then I said, I'm cold, I'm cold, come back. And so they put their hand back on my cheek, and that warmth came right down on me again. The thing that was interesting about that was that the, the presence had heat. That I definitely felt a temperature change when they were there and when they were gone, which was kind of interesting and surprising. So for, further on that, then I did go to um, a medium and I found out that it was my grandmother that had been there. I was with them all the time. so. Uh, we were very close, my grandparents and I. You know, she was not given any information. She just uh, kind of zoned however she does it, I don't know. She just sort of settled herself. And then she told me so many things that she could only know if she had tapped into some other people, other people that knew me. But she told me that it was my grandmother that was with me when Cam died. And she also told me that when Cam died, um, Bob's mother went to receive him. 
Oh, I, I do feel him sometimes. Like, uh, I'll say, I, I, he had the best hugs, big, warm, and he was a big guy. So he, when he hugged you, he kind of, his, his arms and his chest and everything just sort of swallowed you up. And I, I really miss those big, beautiful hugs. And sometimes when I'm upset or whatever, I'll say, I, I need a hug, Cam. I, I really need a hug. And then I can sort of feel feel that he's there. And, and we used to blow kisses. And I can hear this. So it's, it's nice. I do definitely strongly believe that there is uh, another side, another dimension. Yes, there's energy. Like, I, I do believe that. Um, we, we, we used to go to church and believe in, you know, the Christian faith. And I still do to some extent. I still say my prayers every night. But I, my, my perception of what I was taught and what I think now is altered between one thing and another. Um, and I don't think that it's wrong because I, because it's, maybe this energy is the soul. I don't know. How, how are we ever going to know that until we get to the other side, maybe? A very special thanks to Sue Pollock for sharing her story. If you have a few minutes, please remember to subscribe and rate Geist on Apple Podcasts. It makes it easier for people to find us. If you have a story you've been hiding, submit it to us at geistpodcast.com. Geist is written and directed by me, Daniel Matar. Original music and sounds by Bo Jensen. Geist branding is by Jake Carruthers. Follow us on Instagram at geist underscore podcast. Follow us on Facebook at Geist Podcast. Follow us on TikTok at Geist underscore podcast. We're so appreciative of all the support and interest. And until next time, sleep tight.